Hello and welcome to Truth Talks, brought to you by South African author, theologian and church leader, Dr. Christopher Pepler. Hello again. Today's talk is about interpreting the scriptures. Now for many, many years there's been a running battle between sections within the broader church as to is the Bible inspired, is it authoritative? Most if not all evangelicals joyfully acknowledge that the Bible is the inspired word of God and that it's authoritative for faith and life. But you see there's one thing for us to agree that the Bible is inspired. Another thing altogether to claim that we are interpreting it correctly. Often the differences between Christians is not about the authority of the scripture, it's about the authority of our particular interpretation of scripture. In 2 Timothy 2 verses 15 and 16, Paul writes, and I'm quoting this from the Holman's Christian Standard Bible, Be diligent to present yourself approved to God, a worker who doesn't need to be ashamed, correctly teaching the word of truth. Now I've written before about this topic, and if you get onto my website you'll be able to do a search or click on the, in, the link that I've actually supplied on my post. Right now, I'm working with a colleague of mine in developing a two-day How to Interpret the Bible course for a group of pastors for whom English is their second if not their third language. Also, most of them have a fairly low level of formal education. And to further challenge us and themselves, many of them have only been exposed to topical or allegorical preaching. And I'll talk about allegorical preaching in a moment. Those who do not interpret the Bible allegorically have been taught to take everything at a simplistic face value and interpret in a very literal way. So I think I'd better give an example of these two things so that we're all on the same page, so to speak. Let's take the story that Jesus told of the Good Samaritan. Towards the end of the story, he talks about how the Samaritan gives two coins to the innkeeper to pay for the injured man's board and lodging. So folk over the years have come along and said, well, you see, these two coins, they stand for a deeper hidden truth. The truth is that the coins stand for baptism and Holy Communion. You see, these are the two ordained provisions for the church to minister to the hurting Christians, etc. But of course, there's no end to the number of other things we can attach to those two coins. We could say, oh, well, the two coins stand for apostles and prophets, or the Old Testament and the New Testament, and so on and so forth. Allegorical interpretation like this ignores the original context of the passage and the original first intended meaning, the author's meaning, the Holy Spirit's initial meaning in this text is, is ignored or just rode over. For another example of simplistic interpretation, a couple of years ago I came across a rather extreme example but it was a real life example. Another colleague of mine was preaching at a church in one of the informal settlements and during the service a young woman started to manifest signs of demonic interference. So the church leaders jumped up, grabbed her and tied her up with ropes. The visiting preacher demanded that they release her, and then he said to the leaders, well, Why have you tied her up? Why are you doing that? And they said, Well, the Bible says we should, does it not? Didn't Jesus say in Matthew twelve twenty nine that we should bind the strong man? So we're just tying this poor dear lady up. 
Once again, the context and the first intended meaning are just ignored. And a simplistic, superficial face value rendering is given to that text. So what then are the fundamental processes for interpreting the Bible correctly, for, for rightly dividing the Word of God as it says in 2 Timothy? Well, for me, there are just three. Context, Christocentricity, and exhaustive reference. Now, in the majority of cases, the context of the, of the text in question yields its fundamental meaning, unlocks the meaning just by looking at the context. What do I mean by context? Well, first of all, its position within the larger portion of Scripture. What is this text that we're studying, say, within the context of the verses that precede it and the verses that come after it? What's the full thought being expressed in that passage of Scripture? Secondly, what is the literary type and style of the passage? Are we looking at something that's poetic or prophetic? Is it a parable? Is it a historic narrative? You know, we can get all sorts of, into all sorts of trouble if we mistake the context of style and genre. For instance, when we're reading the book of Revelation and we try and read it as if it's a chronological history, then we get into huge difficulties. The third type of context is cultural geographic and historic. We ask the question, what is the culture of these people? And where are they actually located? And at what time in their history is this taking place? All of these help us to understand what is happening here. So when we determine the context of the passage, it helps us to answer the key question, which is, what is the first intended meaning of this portion of scripture? A helpful way of rephrasing that is to say, what did the first listeners or readers understand this passage of scripture to be saying? Okay, so where the meaning of the passage is still not clear, the context doesn't bring it fully to light, there's still some confusion, then we, asked, we need to ask a further question. It's the Christocentric question. What light does the life and teachings of the Lord Jesus Christ shed on my understanding of this passage? Did Jesus teach on this? Did Jesus do something which would enable me to understand how he thought about this? How did he represent the nature and the character and the values of the triune Godhead in a way that I can have some light shed on the passage that I'm studying here? You see, Jesus Christ is the full manifestation of the Godhead, Colossians 2.9. So we can be sure that his life and teachings constitute the primary key to understanding the Bible. One of the most dramatic examples, and by the way, it's probably the example that gets me into the most trouble, is found in Acts chapter 5, verses 1 to 11. It's the story of Ananias and Sapphira, a husband and wife pair who went and sold a piece of property, and they didn't bring the full proceeds to give it to the church for the church's needs. And they came and basically said, yes, we've sold the property, here's the proceeds. And uh, Peter uh, told them that the Holy Spirit had shown him that they were lying, and that why did they do that? And the husband fell down dead. A little bit later, his wife comes in, and she's challenged in the same way, and she falls down dead. Now, the question is, did God kill these two people? How am I supposed to understand this? Well, the Christocentric principle demands that we ask a question which says, 
would Jesus have killed two of his disciples for this or for any reason? When we look into his life, his teachings, his example, we see that he did exactly the opposite. He did not take life, he gave it. He did not inflict wounds, he healed them. The answer has to be a categorical no. The revelation of Jesus Christ tells us there's something amiss in our understanding of this passage. So we need to try and find another way of understanding it. And if we can't, then the best we should say is, I simply don't know what happened here. And that I'm definitely not convinced that God killed them. Okay, so the first procedure in interpreting a biblical text is to, text is to determine its context. The second is to apply the Christocentric principle. And the third is to see if other parts of the Bible have a bearing on the text. And I call this exhaustive reference. You know, we are so blessed in our day to have such fine commentaries. And we have such comprehensive concordances, electronic concordances, and we have topical Bibles and study Bibles and so much more. And most of these resources are available for free, a lot of them, on the internet. And we can even access them through small smartphones. How blessed we are that at a push of a button and the glance of a screen, we can do exhaustive searches of all of the scriptures to see what it says about a particular subject. So here's my recommendation. Stay away from allegorical interpretations. But if you do venture into this tricky area because you feel the Holy Spirit is directing you, so be it. Please then, always ensure that what you arrive at as the meaning is consistent with the text first intended meaning. In other words, ensure that you claim that the text teaches something that lines up with your allegorical understanding. How the first readers would have understood it needs to be in harmony with the meaning that you attach to its various parts in an allegorical way. Now there are parts of the Bible which are hard to understand. But you see, that's why God has given teachers to his church. So if you follow these three simple processes I've laid out here, which is context, Christocentricity and exhaustive reference, most scriptures will open their meaning to you. And at very least, you'll be able to identify the real problem texts and then call on an experienced and trained teacher, either somebody in your church or via one of these fabulous commentaries and Bible study aids that we have. May God bless you as you study the scriptures, as you diligently seek to interpret the word of God correctly. Because to believe it's inspired is one thing. To interpret it correctly as the inspired word of God is another. And I believe we are called to embrace both of these concepts. Accept a belief that the Bible is the inspired and authoritative, trustworthy, written revelation from God and of God and commit ourselves to seeking to do everything we can to understand it correctly and in a Jesus honoring way. God bless you. Bye for now. Thank you for listening to 
Truth Talks from Truth is the Word Ministry. If you'd like to share your views, read up on related topics, or purchase one of Dr. Pepler's books, please visit his blog on truthistheword.com. And remember, truth is the word.